This is Counterculture with Marie Busky. Wednesdays at 10 a.m. on Reality Check Radio. This is Counterculture on Reality Check Radio. I am Marie, your host, and joining me again is Helen Houghton, co-leader of the New Conservative Party. Last time uh, we talked about what was going on in terms of Pink Shirt Day and gender education in schools, and I booked Helen because Pride Week is coming up, Helen, 12th Ah. to the 16th of June. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Maria. It's fantastic to be back on. And I thank your listeners, especially those who have contacted me, that many of them reached out to me and I've been in, uh, I'm quite busy in meetings at the moment, but that's fantastic. Keep calling. I welcome your communication. I have to say, Helen, I pulled up this morning the resource kit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the first thing I noticed is looks like it's been exclusively run by Inside Out this year. Is that, is that been the case every year? Yeah, I think it, it is all. It, it all comes from Rainbow Inside Out, and that includes their um, professional development of teachers. You know, we've got Pride Week is, well, actually, it's all about a gender game. Queer theory now plays a key role in teacher training, and that is from Inside Out. So they're, they're a part of not only the Pride, but also the education of teachers, you know, re-education of teachers encouraging children to find their own gender identity. I mean, how does a student's learning needs relate to their sexual orientation? And yet this is a big focus now throughout our school system, throughout the ministry. So I had a look this morning, Helen, at the resources on the Pride Week website, which is pretty much run by Inside Out. And what amazed me was they had resources for all school levels, so primary, intermediate and high school Two things struck me. The first thing that struck me was this is a blatant money-making scheme. There are multiple suggestions in here on how to raise funds for Inside Out, as if they're not heavily funded enough. I was under the impression that they are rather well-funded. They are really well-funded from um, from the government. I mean, I don't know what they're doing with their money, to be honest. However, it'd be interesting to do it as an IOA and what they're doing with their funding. I mean, you have to appreciate that, like I said, they're training teachers. So I suppose, you know, bringing facilitators into the school, because that's one of the one of the objectives is to get facilitators actually teaching all of this inclusive education in schools by taking it out of the hands of professional teachers and to do that obviously they're having to put together uh, learning content however that learning content is what we should all be alarmed about so look from the outset can I tell you why I think this new umbrella term or guise which is what they are using a guise is a more correct term for that inclusive diversity campaign that they're pushing, um, why it's all wrong. So essentially what it does is regulates a duty forced on every citizen to bear the brunt of someone's disorder. Now, I say that because in actuality, the guidelines are prescriptive, i.e. the Ministry of Education has mandated every parent, caregiver and member of society to assume responsibility for a few people who have difficulty with their identity. Now, I emphasise their identity. And all of this is happening even without them having to revert to legislation, because you and I both know that it wouldn't pass any legislative action. So basically, this inside-out organisation have got the mandate from government 
to push all of this throughout the whole school, like you said, from the juniors right through to secondary school. I mean, when in society have we ever expected to cater to the emotional, mental well-being of other individuals in such a personal manner that infringes on everyday lives of us all? Yeah, it is, it's pretty pervasive. And I think it is something that, again, has fallen under the radar of so many parents. Uh, I interviewed Mark Kuno last week from Resist Gender Education. You mentioned her last time we spoke and uh, her organisation. And I said to her, there's that boundary that's been crossed between conversations that I believe should happen in the home between parents and children to what has been taught. The state has almost taken that over and they are taking that away from parents. And I think that that's quite dangerous and secretively so too. A lot of parents are just simply not aware. Absolutely. And that's why I said it's a form of they have mandated every person. It's a changing um, changing a social norm. But who gets to decide that they get to change any norms in society? I mean, we could argue that we should also be affirming people who have alcohol and substance addiction, weight challenges that lead to diabetes and so forth. We're not responsible for another's health. Yet here we have a whole education sector, the ministry, providing or wanting to push this complex, you know, instruction around sexuality matters to minors, don't forget, but with the intention to bring forth a new norm. Mm. Parents and general taxpayers do not accept the general duty to be responsible for another parent's child. But this is the whole school's, this is expected. Now, our education system must remove all this woke virtual signaling that's just to appease what is literally at one end of the scale, a health end of of a disorder, and at the lower trajectory, it's a fad for those who are being victims of this Mm. indoctrination. I had some um, feedback, actually, from a a transsex person who went through the old system you know they're frustrated by this and they actually had a medical disorder that they went through the entire process and they live their lives and they're seeing all of this and are not happy and and i think you've spoken as well about people that you know in that space and and they aren't happy because it's become ideological something that has been pushed into schools when really this is a complex issue that needs to be dealt with as an adult by adult. This is what is written for primary and intermediate age schools on their resources and their website. Firstly, thank you for your support in bringing rainbow identities into your school and classroom. It will make a huge difference to rainbow tamariki or those with rainbow parents and whanau to see themselves reflected in the world and know that they are okay and can thrive, shine and grow freely. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Some young kids already know no, I'm glad you're sitting down, Helen. Some young kids already know that they are transgender or non-binary or just somehow different. Oh, my golly. Oh. I mean, aren't we all different, Marie? How does anyone know they're rainbow or, or gender confused? I mean, teenagers go through identity crisis. Adults go through identity crisis. And, and you know, that whole making sure that everybody feels belong. That's what we do, no matter what the sexual issues are. We don't, we're not at school to talk about sexual issues. Now, just going back to that trans sex person, I have seen many detransitioners and one of them says that every step that she made when she was going through the social transitioning at school was that she'd received 
positive vibes. So then she'd want to go to the next step to get the ne- and the next because it's like an addiction. Well, I liken it to an addiction. You're waiting for your next high from somebody else's approval. And this well, is what we're doing here. Because all that affirmation, no, but you did right. It mm. is an addiction because all that affirmation and they've shown it with gambling addiction. They've shown it with even using devices that there are mechanisms that get pulled in with constant affirmation that releases a little burst of dopamine in the brain which is the feel-good chemical that we have in our brains of course kids want a sense of belonging and they will chase whatever it is that will do that now that's been something that's happened ever since both you and i were children but now it has exceptionally dire mental and physical and medical consequences it's quite concerning mm. yeah like like you said i mean it's been forever children children are always yearning for their parents attention it doesn't matter where a person is even at work you know adults we all want that affirmation like you said but look what's the inside out program and what you read out before the statement it's very seductive some of their tools because for example, this day transitioner, she was told that if you're feeling uncomfortable in your body, it's because you are born in the wrong body. And if you change that, your body, you won't feel uncomfortable anymore. Now, this is the kind of language that they're using when they are, you know, that, that statement. It's like, um, you know, when we affirm these children, these rainbow people, it's like they're locking them into that. And it's really seductive and manipulative what they're doing. It's actually criminal. I urge people to actually, um, those who haven't already, contact their school boards I'm just going to bring up the rest of what's on this website because I think it will concern people. So sometimes people think that we at Inside Out are trying to label kids and make them grow up too fast. Yes, we do. You've got that right, tick. Mm. You might face some objection. Exit. (laughs) However, what we want is for kids to be able to play, try out wearing a skirt or sparkles or a silly Santa beard if that calls to them try out he or she if they want and in time grow healthier to whichever adult they are oh my gosh one of the things marg talked about was the importance of play and she said play is something that happens out on the playground but when you come back into the classroom she said that you can be whatever you want she said you can be sam samantha samuel she said it doesn't matter what you want to be out in the playground but the minute you come back into the classroom you are if you are samuel you're you're he if you're samantha you're she you know you are who you are the classroom is that sanctity she said play is one thing the classroom is another now those lines with affirmative affirmation have been blurred and it does beg the question when does play cross the line into indoctrination this to me is crossing the line Oh, it's indoctrination and conversion. This is coercion and conversion at its highest degree. Um, like you said, preschool, they, they all have that play and dress up. I mean, we've all been part of that. You know, the boys, or okay, I'm probably stereotyping here, but, you know, boys in their uh, superhero capes and the girls with their princess dresses, we don't lead them to that. That's what they want. Mm. But... Like you said, they're encouraging children in these spaces and leading it to find gender identity, which is so absurd. I mean, we've talked about this, what schools are for and what parents actually want. Since when did the government get that mandate to 
enforce this kind of, you know, expectations on people. Now, I saw it last year, and, and there's probably a lot of schools, but there has been letters to boards of trustees about Pride Week. I don't know if you know about that, Marie. You might have already seen about what happened last year. You know, there's this push about flying the flag. There's a lot of activities that they do, but that all the schools are supposed to, or they're encouraged to fly the rainbow flag for the week. And so this particular school flew it for one day, but then that was enough, right? I mean, you've, you've acknowledged it, you've flown the flag, and yet, you know, a lot of students are saying, oh, we feel excluded because you've taken the flag down. Well, they flew it for a day. I would question what we're actually teaching children and young people about resilience, expecting other people to actually be uh, lifting them up and boosting who their sexual identity is in the first place. I mean, what are we setting children up as where they need others to be running around and actually affirming them all the time? That in itself is a major issue. The reason for the decision was initially because of the feedback that they'd had from some parents who children felt last year that they'd had heightened exposure. So it was actually from some of the rainbow community parents themselves who were concerned that they were outing their children and making such a big deal when their children didn't want all this fuss either. And I've heard that, and I think you might have mentioned it before, or others have around um, even adults who are in the LGBT, where it's like, what are you doing? Making a big scene about who we are. It's outing people. They just want to get on like everybody else. And by applying the celebration around it, it does two things. One, particularly in these younger children, I really do have an issue with this in any schools, but especially primary and intermediate schools. The children will naturally gravitate to whatever is celebrated and will give them a sense of belonging and feel good about it because they're completely malleable. So kapahaka, okay, so the primary school that my kids went to, there weren't a lot of Māori kids at the primary school, but they did have a kapahaka and it was cute. All the kids that wanted to get involved in kapahaka got involved and they sang and they had a wonderful time and it was about, it was the whole premise, the teacher that ran it did a great job, the whole premise was about the kids having a good time. It didn't matter if you're Māori or non-Māori, everybody got involved and they enjoyed singing all the songs that I know I learnt when I was a kid and they really, and it was just a celebration of song and they wove in some tradition in there and, and that's what they enjoyed. And it was popular because the kids wanted to belong and be part of it. This to me is a little bit more sinister because this is the gateway. Going into Kapahaka is not going to lead you into a, a social or surgical transition. Well, that's it. And you've hit the nail on the head because I have read in some of the uh, instructions of uh, Inside Out for Pride Week on how to coach younger children or what parents can say to younger children about what pride is even. And they've said things like it's a celebration. Well, that, that's false. You know, it's like you're just using, like what you said, kabahaka, yeah, everyone can enjoy it and that. But to say that Pride Week is a celebration, no, I mean, it's a lot different than that. It's about sexuality and it leads, like you said, to potential surgery and complete uh, mutilation of body parts and sterilising children. You're right. The thing is that the children that really feel in their gut that they don't want to be part of this because they know the bigger picture they are then the ones being singled out and that's where the exclusion actually is happening it's not happening from lgbt students it's actually happening now from children that have got opposing views and don't want to take part of it they're being singled out which is no different to it being like bullied and victimizing those children who don't want to take part coercion 
let's look at coercion. I mentioned it before. Coercion is rife around this whole pride stuff and the treatment of those children with exclusion if they don't conform. So now coercion is a violation of a person's rights. It's an attempt to control behaviour. How are we allowing this in school? And also, too, if you're going to celebrate uh, one group with pride, then therefore surely you must be celebrating all other aspects of identity that people may have. So where is the hetero week? The commercial aspect of this, and I just wanted to go down, so activities for primary schools, Helen. Let's scroll further down the page. Activities for primary schools, they have an activity called the Common Ground Activity, an interactive classroom game for tamariki that explores all the things that they have in common, rather than focusing on their differences. Really? But you've got an entire week that does nothing but highlight and celebrate those so-called differences. Yes. I mean, how confusing is that for a kid? The goal of this game is to open up a kōrero and facilitate tamariki thinking about how we behave and how we can all be better at including others. Now, that common ground activity, that in itself, there's nothing wrong with that activity, right? But that activity should be part of everyday activity, that teaching children to interact positively with their peers surely should be foundational as part of the EQ of what you teach kids at school, not just in the confines of Pride Week. Honestly, I do just about. You know, it's um, this is what teachers do. We've been doing it for decades. It's part of this classroom culture. We set it up at the beginning of each year to make sure that, you know, we've got this inclusion and everything else, but it hasn't been, you know, made such a big thing about inclusive education because we didn't need to. This is what, like you said, it's part of the day-to-day routines of uh, teaching about respect. You know, we teach all those things as values, respect and responsibility. And yet, you're right, this is, um, like I said, it's a guise. It's a guise to push something so much more sinister. Um, Marg also mentioned too, she said part of the reason this is so successful is because they have pride lesson plans. And now that teachers are so stretched with all the other administrative work that they have to do within the classroom, that by having all of these lesson plans supplied, it is just easy for, easier for them to go and download, plug and play, and then it's one less job on their uh, list of jobs to do. Yeah, but we're going to touch on a lot of other things that are happening in the school system, why it's failing. And one of those, like there's about five things that I see as being a problem in the school, why children are failing or why we're failing our students. One of them is a crowded curriculum, and I was going to talk a wee bit about that now, accommodating new demands from society or from these lobby groups inside out. I mean, when it's already an overcrowded curriculum. So you're right, and and all these campaigns compete for curriculum space. How can teachers ensure that breadth and depth of learning are given attention? So you're right, it's like, okay, I'll grab that, get it over and done with. The good thing is now a lot of teaching staff are seeing it for what it is, and they also are having a lot of more complaints from members of 
the community. Some are pushing back and saying, no, we're not doing this. It's a little bit like this principal who came out and said, okay, we'll fly it for one day and then that's that's it, it's done. Obviously, the Rainbow Lobby Group, the Inside Out Group, have huge power or have been given that power from our government and so they will continue. Yeah, it is encouraging that we're having these conversations now and this is what we do need to question. We need to have these um, debates and I think I mentioned to you I've got a citizens initiated referendum out there to actually call to remove some of this stuff from the schools and parents and community members who are out there listening, it's really important that you get behind these petitions and citizens initiate referendums, sign them, share them, get out there and actually um, help these, you know, signatures to happen. Because unless you do, like we've we've given you the vehicle, okay, so we've got those things passed now, but unless you're out there helping to get the signatures, we're not going to reach the target that we need to actually then insist because we can insist, we've got the voices, we have the control to take it back. But unless you step out, sign your name and help get those, we're not going to actually achieve it. Basically, I'm putting it back in the hands of parents and community members who are listening. It's up to us. It's up to you now. I've put the petitions out there. I've got stuff happening. So we are doing things. There's a lot of other groups now doing things. Like you said, you had Mark from Resist Gender Education. They're a bunch of ex-teachers. Why do you think ex-teachers are talking about this and are concerned? Because they didn't have the voice in the system. They couldn't fight the system because we have the likes of the Teachers' Council who are threatening jobs they're threatening. Like I probably won't be able to get my registration back because of the challenging that I'm doing. You know, it's been there's subtle threats and letters that they have sent. So teachers can only do so much. And there's they are really good. Like this is not about you know attacking teachers because there are such so many great teachers out there. But the the direction is coming from the ministry, which of course is government ministers. And that's where we need to be working on government ministers and who we're voting for. The, um, so Marg also brought up and highlighted, and you did the first time we chatted, was in terms of that parents can uh, intervene at any time. They can contact their schools at any time. And <clears throat> this really does need to come from the parents because the teachers that are still in the system are under a, th a threat, a veil of threat with the registration, as you've just outlined, there is the opportunity now, I think, for parents to get a little bit more involved about some of the, I think, seismic changes in curriculum that have happened in a very short space of time. And it's really easy. We're so busy. I mean, we've all, I mean, look, all of us that have got school aged children, we've all been guilty of it that between nine and three, that we can pop the kids somewhere that we, we know that they're safe, in adverted commas, and we can work or get on with our lives. But actually, are they completely safe? And also, are they receiving the information that we believe that they're receiving? And I think that's when you said about a crowded curriculum, there are so many things that you can initiate with the school as a parent. If you're not comfortable talking to the school about pride stuff, if you find that really uncomfortable, um, you're not confident to do that, you can certainly have a word with the school about how crowded the curriculum is, how concerned you are about all these other aspects of learning that your child might be undertaking that isn't core curriculum in terms of academic attainment, which we know is appalling now and, and the thing is when it comes to the schools having to report 
or even us trying to get information from the government about how this is impacting parents. If there's no data or no backlog of parents who have been in um, official, you need to make official complaints so that it is recorded. But if that's not happening, then of course they're just going to say, oh, well, nobody's complaining. So we haven't had any issues, you know. So it's really important. And I know a lot of people over the last four years since we've been highlighting these issues have gone to their schools and have said, you know, oh, we want to see what the sexuality curriculum looks like. What are you going to teach? That's not enough anymore. You know, you actually have to put the complaint in. If parents then are dissatisfied with the outcome of the complaint that they um, receive, you know, the next step is to complain to the Ministry of Education. Don't worry if they don't listen to it. I mean, you know, the, but the more that you've got that record of it, then you go further, the Office of the Ombudsman and <clears throat> the Children's Commissioner for further investigation, because that's how far we have to go, I'm afraid. We really do have to go further. Further to that, if schools are forcing students to take part in rainbow activities. I mean, I talked to you, I think it was last time about that student who recorded mm. celebration. Yeah, if the students are being forced to take part and complaints are not resolved or taken seriously, then there can also be legal action, thinking about religious parents for discrimination. Okay, because like you said before, what about these other groups? And they are being discrimination against different cultures who don't actually you know, have different views about all this pride stuff. But for non-religious parents who also do not support the Pride Week, some of them, like you said, are afraid to voice their opposing views because then they and their children are being singled out. So really important to um, get, look, I've been contacted since the last show, Marie, and I'm now speaking with a lot of parent groups. And, and, you know, sometimes there's over 40 to 50 people in these groups. So there are parents out there. If you're listening and you're thinking, you know, you're worried about speaking up, there's a lot of parents who feel like you. And we are out there now. We are talking. I'm meeting with a big community uh, Sunday night. I'm meeting. Gosh, I've got lots of meetings happening. So talk to people, you know, and whispers if you have to to start with until you find the right parents. Um, and then get together. You can contact me. I mean, I'm sure Marie will put my email on here at some point. Well, yeah. we can actually do it now. So Helen.Houghton. Helen.Houghton, there you go. Helen.Houghton at newconservative.org.nz. If you are out there and you want me to come and speak to a group of parents, if you also have a child who's being impacted by anything to do with any of these lessons, contact me because I have something else planned as well, but I need parents who are in the system now who are dealing with it for this next step. So please contact me. I welcome you. Look, I have students as well as parents contacting me. I had a meeting with a 15-year-old student just um, recently and I interviewed him about how it's impacting, how all of this stuff, and not just this, but a lot of other school issues are impacting students right now. And um, that's quite revealing. So you'll hear that shortly. Look, even this morning, Marie, I just want to read this out because somebody, I don't even know them. I get messages all the time from parents and now, like I said, students. But even this morning, I had one. And I'll just read some of it because I haven't responded to this person yet because it was just before the interview. She messaged and said, I have a daughter at a school in year nine. 
I've had a conversation with her health teacher, re the sex education, and we aren't on the same page. So she's pulling her daughter from these classes, which the teacher informs her that other parents have also done. Uh, she's going to remove her daughter from school for Pride Week and have decided they're going on holiday. Good on her. As I don't know other parents in the school, my friend and I want to make other parents aware on what is being taught. Okay, so she's going to do, she goes on to say she's going to do a letterbox job, which is fantastic. So there you go. There's mm. people out there suffering from this. One of the things I've been quite hot on is about, as you said, creating action. And if you're a parent out there, so these are guidelines, just so you're aware, that even though there is gender and sexual education in the curriculum, certainly health sexual part has been in the curriculum, the overall pride and gender stuff are very much guidelines so schools can uh, ramp it up or tone it down as much as they like but there are elements that are in there now some schools I've often found from the people I've spoken to in the experience it depends very much if there is a teacher who identifies in the alphabet community they tend to be the ones that lead the charge at a particular school so they'll be the ones that will look after um, the rainbow groups uh, in school and they will often drive the charge on on pride week and things like this great fine that's what they tend to do. But this is when, if you're really uncomfortable with this as a parent, and that is, mm. is going on in your child's school, you know what, if you are at drop-off and pick-ups and you're talking to the other mums and dads there, you know, all you need to say is, so what do you think about all of, it, all of this pride stuff? I think you'll be amazed at the conversations that you get. Just keep it open-ended because if they're totally pro it and think it's wonderful, well, you're not going to out yourself, to use the pun, um, if you have, have concerns. But you'll be amazed at how many parents are there, especially dads. There are wow. a lot of really concerned dads out there. It's finding a little group of you. So then if you're not confident enough to have those uh, conversations uh, with the school on your own, sometimes it can be easier if it's a little group of parents to call a meeting with the board of trustees and actually start this conversation. And it may be a case that you use Pride Week to do that for future events moving forward but definitely you've got to have those courageous conversations because if you don't complacency is what got us in this situation and I think it's courage in those conversations that will get us out. 100% agree with you Marie. We're going to play this clip at the end of this interview and so I want you to just preface this clip for us uh, Helen before we do so. A parent who contacted me after she heard me speaking with you last time Marie she contacted me because she also knew my name from a school where I had taught. Her child went about five, six years ago, and that was at primary school. She wanted to meet with me and talk about what her son was going through and his friends in the school system. So I met up with her, and she told me that the students out there are full of anxiety and they've got no one to talk to. She said they talked to her son because he, he's a very mature 15-year-old and he's a really good listener. You know, some children are more the ones that people go to. And he said a lot of people go to him. They go to him with their problems. They go to him when they're concerned. They go to him because they're concerned about things that are happening, not just in the world, but around the school, around, th you know, around this kind of gender stuff even, you know, all that confusion around it. Uh, I was teaching in a class the day directly after they had that sexuality lesson and there was a boy looking and uh, mucking around on his iPad and I asked him uh, what, what he was doing and he said he was just looking 
finding out what he would look like as a female. So, you know, this is impacting our children. I've had parents contact me who said their children are anxious after those lessons. So this boy um, wanted, was quite happy to meet with me and have an interview. I didn't lead him or ask him too many questions, I, you know, just a few questions, but mainly I wanted it to be his voice so that we were really listening to him about any concerns that they have as students. And he's got Oh my gosh, it's a fantastic interview, a fantastic young man, and he's got a really strong message out there for school leaders, for adults even, you know, and so I'm, yeah, I'll I'll leave you to hear what he has to say. Hello everyone, Helen Houghton here from New Conservative. I'm talking today with a young 15-year-old man from one of our local high schools in Christchurch, just about some of the things that are happening in the school system. Hello John Doe, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me to be able to speak about some of the issues happening just in schools, education, and branching out there a little bit, just our country and society. There's a lot of things that need to be spoken about to fix at the moment. Thank you, John. So can you share with me what motivated you to want to share your views with me and to the general public? Well, some of my motivation comes from my friends. And I see how in our current schooling system and the education that we are being provided, how it affects them. And it's it provides a lot of anxiety and a lot of insecurity like people don't know what to do or a lot of people are confused with how the world is and it causes a lot of instability in our society and that needs to be addressed. Thank you John. So I'm going to start with uh, the school environment. So the school environment is important for student outcomes. How do you feel your school environment supports you academically versus socially or hang on let me put that another way. You may have heard that students are not performing well academically. Now, we're not talking about every student needing to get high levels to enter university. We're talking basic education to leave school with a good standard of literacy and maths, which, let's face it, we all need to function in whatever work choices that we aim for. I'm going to give you an example. One of my sons wasn't too interested in learning during high school, actually probably both of them. But they both stuck it out long enough to know how to read, write and work with numbers. Now, one of those, one of my sons has been roofing for almost 10 years. At a young age, he started his own business for a while. He's since worked on top architectural homes that have won House of the Year awards. You can probably imagine that his number knowledge would have to be pretty spot on for that, oh, yeah. right? Maths not only is important for people working with numbers, Numbers are in most things that we do. Now, thinking about the academic side of education first, do you think that you have enough teacher time instructing you on those basics like maths, literacy, being reading or writing? Well, in a lot of our curriculum at the moment, we do have quite a few periods where it's sitting down listening to a teacher, which is what we need because we're listening to a person. We're listening to somebody who's explaining it to us. If we don't understand it, they're able to speak to us. Sometimes with the classroom sizes that we have at the moment, it gets a bit iffy with how many students they have to get around to, so some kids get left behind. But a lot of it is a lot of work online that 
we just get told to do it and teacher sits in the corner of the class fiddling around their laptop. As a generation or just as humans, we don't learn that way. We learn from each other. We learn from explanations, experience, and being told this is how you do this. Do you understand it? Do you need help with it? But you don't get that if you're just typing and typing and typing. And with our literacy and writing, our writing gets left behind back in intermediate. If you're not extremely up to par with it, then you're not getting up to par unless you want to go get lessons outside of the curriculum. But literacy, uh, I'd say there's quite a bit of that that wouldn't be necessary, like um, poems. We have to do that sometimes, or <laughs> long examples, exemplars on stuff, and it's not necessary for some of the things that we do it on. And I just think we need to be more focused on what matters rather than what we think we need to do. Wow, you've given me a lot to think about there. Um, I'll just touch on poems. I'm I'm a shocker for teaching poems because I love poetry. Yeah. And I remember a class where I taught uh, poetry and I told the, the um, boys in the class that by the end of that uh, those, I don't know, it was about six weeks of poetry um, that they would actually enjoy it. But that's because yeah. I gave them some really interesting content. But uh, it's a bit of a shame that you weren't with me then, John. So from the poems, it's um, something that I've loved teaching, John. But I've t I'll take your criticism there and think about that next time if I'm ever in a classroom. I'm sure from your curriculum I would have probably enjoyed it a whole lot more, but at the moment it's just a lot of sidetracking. Absolutely, I appreciate that because I did, my intention was to make sure that the boys in the classroom actually found some really good content uh, to enjoy it, so I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate your um, enthusiasm in my, in my teaching. Welcome. You mentioned one thing that I was quite shocked about, but I do know that this happens. And you talked about being set work on the laptops and the teachers just sitting there on their laptop. And I've actually, shockingly enough, seen this kind of stuff happen. And, um, you know, that's one of my concerns as well, why I asked you about whether you get enough instructional time. And I have heard other students even commenting that they'd rather the teacher up the front talking to them and helping them uh, go through those lessons because there's such a thing now, I don't know if you're aware, John, but as educators, we've been told for a number of years to have a student-led teaching, okay? Yeah, that's not and how we learn. No, I mean, you do need guidance, yeah. but uh, more teacher-led, would you, would yeah, you agree? We need much more teacher-directional rather than student-directional. What happens when it's student-directional? In a student directional education system, if a large majority of students is unable to do a thing, you'll see things go up in curriculum or down in curriculum. And But with a teacherly like way of learning, it would be more students learning, less being left behind, and because we're following a path, we're not being told, oh, just dilly-dally around, we're following mm. a it's a dilly-dally around thing that I was wondering whether you were going to touch on that. So those yeah. students who are being supposedly doing their own student-led learning, are they on task? A lot of the time, no. I'm going to have to admit it. Uh, I see some people that are just blatantly, they, get, they see the pattern, they see, oh, this isn't much in the teacher's favour here. They don't have much control, so I'm going to veer off the path a little bit and do my mm. own thing. Mm. So on saying that, how much of a learning day do you think you're actually learning? 
Well, how much? Or how many hours do we have in a learning day? It's five or six, right? I'd say out of the five periods I have a day, the information I'm taking in is about three of them, because there are wow. certain periods where mm -hmm. I just disconnect because it's so technology focused rather than learning. Interesting. I was talking to somebody else recently about the technology. I was talking to a high school teacher and we were both saying that we think there's far too much technology use in, in classrooms as well as, you know, your own devices. What I'd like to actually direct us to now is some of the so more social issues around the school because there seems to be a large push with uh, values and social issues around uh, something called inclusive education. Do you know much about inclusive education? I have some questions here for you, but would you like to share with me a little bit about what your thoughts are on inclusive? Could you give me a better definition of that if you don't want me to ask? What do you think about the 100 or so different genders? Uh, the <laughs> I think there's no need to have that many of them. I agree that some people feel out of place or there's the occasional one where you get a little bit of both and sometimes the doctors decide to take one without anybody having second thoughts about it. Well, yeah, we call that intersex. Yeah, intersex I can agree with because that's somebody else has made a change on your life and you need help with that. But there are so many that can just be explained as just plain wrong and unnecessary. Yeah, 100 seems to be a bit extreme. I know of yeah. two. I know of... Uh, males and females and in between that like you said there's the intersex which is a condition but it's yeah. you know these other all these other names can you name any of them uh transgenders that's just a whole lot of gender dysphoria out in the world that needs to be addressed instead of being so more of a psychological thing because it is yeah. a uh, psychological issue so is that something then that should be addressed in classrooms do you think maybe not in classrooms as such but if if we see enough of it in our education system, then we need to start to help people. I know people don't like that term because that sounds like, oh, get rid of it, heavy. I'm not saying get rid of it, but there are some people that are just very misled that need direction. Yeah, a lot of support is really good, yeah. and that's what we want to do to support them. But what's happening now, from what I'm seeing as an educator, John, is that we're told to affirm them, and what that means is by agreeing with their confusion, Mm. Uh, which I don't think is very helpful. Do you think it's helpful to agree with somebody who's who's walking around um, with a gender that's actually not a real gender? As far as uh, I'm just thinking of when I said, can you name one? I'm thinking I've seen pansexual. Do you know what that even is? I do believe there are probably people that are going to be pissed off if I get this wrong, so I apologise to those people. But uh, to my knowledge, it's you like people for who they are, not whatever gender out of the 10 years, probably a million it is going to be. You like them for who they are rather than what they are. Mm -hmm. So have you ever been given a sheet in any of your health classes around the oh, different yeah. names? Oh, yeah. We Do got given a sheet last year and the year before that in some of our health classes that delved into it. And there were some students that were like, oh, okay, I'll learn about this, and so on, and got really heavy into it. I was on the fence about it at the time before I started to really develop my own opinion, and there were some kids that were ahead of me with their own opinion that just blatantly refused to learn about it. Mm, interesting. What about pronouns? Have you ever heard any teacher talking about pronouns or, for example, asking you what pronoun you would like to use? Uh, we were we got taught about pronouns in those same health classes, but there was this one instance where I was walking through the hallway and I bumped shoulders with another student, and they wanted to apologise because I was just turning a corner and 
they just turned a corner. So I said, sorry. And then they asked me for my pronouns because they didn't want to offend me an apology. And I said, mate, we both, I'm going to assume, because we're both males, we both have a dick. So we're both he's, right? And he didn't like that one too much, so he walked off. But it was just, we don't need that in our education system to be talked about or pushed onto us. Exactly. Now, I'm just going to talk about something. I said, we're talking about pronouns. So you've got he, she, he and she are the usual yeah. normal ones. But, you know, for some really strange reason, they're using they in there as well. And uh, Z and Zen, I've heard of Z-Z-Z. all different. Yeah, yeah. some um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But nope. uh, so now I've also heard, correct me if I'm wrong, but and this might not be only at this particular school, but there's a cat in the girls' school that's next to your school, a human who's identifying as a cat, just for the listeners out there. That's a schoolgirl who identifies as a cat. Have you yeah. ever met her, John? Uh, I've observed, I've seen her from a distance. I can't say I've ever met because that would mean I've affiliated with them. I've never gone and approached them, never spoken to them. But there were times where they would wear this little band in their hair and they'd have little cat ears poking out. And there were times they'd just let out random noises and... It was just a weird environment to see or even be around. But that's, I've heard cases of that happening all over Christchurch, all over New Zealand, all over the world. It's just people, they're losing their grip on reality. That's interesting because recently I heard that there's a school in Christchurch where the teacher or somebody actually puts down a, a bowl of cat milk or milk for a student that's identifying as a cat and I thought surely not but you're telling me that there's actually a student that you know of in the school who was identifying as a cat so there might be more than one sadly sadly yeah gosh oh and how do you feel about teachers or any adults in fact allowing a child to walk around functioning as a cat well I think a lot more adults and a lot more teachers need to be held to account because as an adult, I'm fifteen. I'm currently still going through school. So a lot of people call me inexperienced. A lot of people say I don't know what I'm talking about, but I believe myself to be mature for my age. And so as a 15-year-old, I'm telling the adults that think that's okay, you need to start getting a grip on your life again. Because it's not right. You know it's not. You've had enough life experience to be able to pull people up on that. But you're so laid back and hands off that you think that's just the free thing to do. It's not. They need support. Okay, I think in another 10 years I'm looking at promoting you to Prime Minister, John. (laughs) uh, Because our Prime Minister, I don't know if you're aware, actually doesn't really know what a woman is or how to identify one. But anyway, besides that... Uh, we'll just talk about now Pride. So do you know that Pride Week is coming up on June the 12th through to the 16th in schools? What thought comes into your mind when you think about Pride Week at school? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, definitely uh, our education system doesn't let us not know about it, doesn't let us live it down. We certainly get reminded that it's coming up to be more accepting when it's up in I might say a lot of things that sounds anti, like, the inclusive community or the LGBTQIA+, if I got that in the right order even, because it seems they add more and more every year. But do they really need a whole week? That, that's the question I'm going to ask people. It's because I can understand a day. I can understand two or three. But we give the Anzacs less time than we give this community, apparently. We talked before a little bit about anxiety and you were concerned about a lot of um, 
your friends, for example, with depression and anxiety. Do you think that any of these lessons around sexuality or um, all this rainbow stuff, do you think that plays a part? In, oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how so? Well, as soon as you start to question the fundamentals of what makes us humans, like female, male, like one half of the reproductive system, the other half of the reproductive system, you start to lose our foundations, you start to lose the things that like stabilize our way of thinking. So as soon as you start to destabilize generations and their way of how they see the world, like this, a lot of the stuff's recent. So we're getting brought up through primary and middle school and being told this stuff, late middle school, high school. And it's, it doesn't serve to help us because we're going through development stages even. So we'll get anxious or depressed anyway. But this being pushed on us, it only serves to strengthen that because people start questioning stuff. Yeah, and like you said, there's a real instability about not knowing anymore what you believed and what you think uh, and what you actually know is true, that you know there's boys and there's girls. So just thinking about that, what would you like teachers or school leaders of schools to know about the rainbow content in schools? like I said with the previous comment, is you need to start realising we don't need it to be out there. Like, uh, what's the terminology? There's like millennials and gen whatever. Gen Z and gen. Yeah, yeah. but the generation before mine and the no, a couple before that, they fought for what a lot of those people stand for and what they get to do nowadays. But I've spoken to a few of them, some of them I'm related to, and they don't agree with it. They don't agree how out there it is, how agenda-heavy, how much they try to force people to agree with them. Like, in their own community, they shun people. So we need to realize that pushing that in our education system, it doesn't help. If anything, some people get turned away because they agree, disagree with one of two things. And so as teachers and as principals, you need to realize we can dampen that a bit and try to help people rather than make them seek other outlets. Yeah, interesting point to make. Uh, there's one thing to be accepting, which I believe that, you know, we, we talked a little bit before about being accepting, but I'm sure that you're accepting even before Rainbow Week comes about. Would that yeah. be correct? Yeah. So, yeah, some really good points made there, and I hope that some of the schools and the school leaders listen to this audio at some point, John. Uh, I certainly would like to have more interviews with you about some of the other education things that are concerning for you. So for now, I'd just like to say thank you so much. I look forward to seeing your future in politics. Thank you a lot. I uh, can't thank you enough for giving me a way to speak for a whole lot of us. Wonderful. We'll give you more opportunities. Thank you, John. Thank you. That is certainly very powerful, Helen. So this will potentially raise questions from parents. So again, give us that, give us your email again. So if parents do have any questions that they want to raise around this, so they can contact us at inbox at realitycheck.radio or text us on 2057 and we can pass stuff on to Helen. But Helen, your email address again. Helen dot Houghton at newconservative.org.nz and please contact because there are students out there like um, John Doe, our student who's using that name, said, you know, they're cons they, they've got anxiety and this is not good that we have our students out there, our children who are feeling like this and they don't have 
an adult teacher that they can go, that they trust enough with their concerns. So it's really important that we, the adults, are looking out for our children in our communities. And that anxiety is endemic. Talking to Gale Valudos, she put out some data, and it was something like only 42% of students are attending school regularly. And I think anxiety is a leading cause. There's lots of sources for that anxiety, but why are we adding more anxiety to our kids right now? And that's my concern too, because... What's happening is instead of it being addressed for these other reasons, like you said, there are a lot of reasons, but it's the only main groups that are in the schools are the ones directing and leading children into this whole gender confusion area. So it's like, oh, you've got anxiety. Well, well, you know, let's look into that. Maybe you're confused about your identity. You know, they're really being led down this path and, like this predatory almost. Oh gosh, yeah, it is. The New Zealand curriculum document in the statement at the beginning, it says how it took 10 years of lots of data, lots of collaboration, lots of discussions with community, parents, all sorts of leaders, right? And yet this sexuality guidelines, they that's not the same. They did not have that same kind of level of investigation before they pushed it out there. So we are calling, you know, I know we're going to talk about New Conservative and what we're doing and what I'm doing, but I'll be calling for a complete, uh, you know, to, to cease that sexuality guidelines, investigate what the best things are to be teaching our children around relationships, less of the sex stuff, because as we've talked about, A lot of the sex stuff is experimental, you know, lessons. I've seen it. I've got it sitting in front of me. There's explicit language that should not be in our schools. So thank you, Marie. Oh, no, that's no, it's been great to catch up with you again, Helen. I really do appreciate it. And as uh, we alluded, I will be getting Helen back because we will get around to talking about politics one of these days, Helen. Yes, and also all the other things that are wrong with the, with the school system, like, you know, not just the overcrowded curriculum, but the technology, the student-led learning, um, modern learning environments. So there's a lot, Marie. Exactly. There is a lot for us to talk about. Look, I really do appreciate your time. Do thank um, John Doe for us as well. It's a really courageous thing to do. Uh, so uh, we would love to hear what you think. As I said, text us 2057 or inbox at realitycheck.radio. This has been Helen Houghton, co-leader of the New Conservative Party. Uh, don't go away. More to come here on Reality Check Radio and Counterculture. This is Counterculture with Marie Buskey. Wednesdays at 10am on Reality Check Radio. Reality Check Radio.